update on keeping the key in Keystone Case. The League of Party Goers interrogates modern times. It's the small goblin drug dealing season. We got the perfect beer pairings. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, truly the cold IPA of the podcasting world, in that we claim to be something special and unique until you realize just two white dudes yammering about craft beer sounds pretty much the same no matter how you bill it. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How you doing today? Oh, doing excellent. How are you? I'm hanging in there. What'd you bring us? So, we got a couple different options. We'll start off with uh, Lagerado from uh, Odell Brewing. This is their, what are we trying to do? Crispy Lager. Tis the season where everybody's like, let's we're just gonna do a lager now and uh, and uh, uh, and you know just and drink this for the spring and summer. You know, it's not a good pastry stout or anything else that denotes the end of craft beer, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my ham-handed segue to something we were talking about just a little bit because we are doing this podcast uh, while. Uh, uh, it's the, Tree Fort say, Weekend here say, in Boise. Yeah, see, Tree Fort, it's a big music festival here in Boise, which it comes along with Ale Fort, which also comes along with, it turns out, um, a, a, a beer panel, which we are not invited to, which, you know, heart, it hurts us, hurts us in our soul, really. Uh, but uh, the topic this year, what was it? <laughs> uh, the death of craft beer, and it basically talks about how, like, milkshake IPA, pastry stout, seltzer, all that are killing craft beer. Um... Uh, so I'm curious to see, uh, like, what they actually discuss in the panel. Uh, but I know something between what we've talked, I can't remember if we ever talked about this on the podcast, is there is so much, I and we talked about how craft beer was never going to get to, like, big beer where it was nationally distributed. And I've always felt craft beer is going to be kind of what it was in like belgium where it's that regional you have your neighborhood pub you go you drink their beer if you travel you go try the neighborhood breweries around where you're traveling and you just kind of go from there yeah it becomes more taproom centric right i think that's a i think it's a fair uh um and the yeah the I'm not a fan of some of the newer trends. The you know the pastry stout, the the fruited sour the, hand the, grenades, the, the slushy the the slushy beers. I'm not a fan. I I don't. But you know what? If they're popular and they sell, I don't blame anybody for making them. No. Nope. And you know the and the well, I think we I think we uh, pointed. I think you pointed out that um, that uh, uh, some of the people who are on the panel who are going to be moan it the hardest. While drinking what exactly? What are they drinking during this panel? Uh, so there was, talking to someone, uh, and there's something from Evil Twin. It's like a Mountain Dew spiced <laughs> seltzer. Uh, and I can't remember exactly all, but I was like, that that sounds like morbidly like disgusting but interesting to try. Uh one and of the, one of my coworkers goes, every day we stray further from God. <laughs> it is one of those where you're, I mean, if, you, if you're in our profession, you so that sounds fucking horrible. Do you want to try it? Yes, I want to try it. Because <laughs> yeah, if this is delicious, have, I'm going to be disappointed. Because I have to know. Because it's, it, you, you have to know. It's, um, <laughs> no, but I think you pointed out as we were getting set up that the, 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 the people who are going to bemoan this are also people that own and or control the uh what uh, one of our some of the most popular craft beer joints in this city have on draft mm-hmm. and so there is a there is a, a little tinge of irony there yep where i'm like you guys help contribute to it and i get I mean, you can't only fill with check loggers you gotta you yeah. got you gotta buy what pe- what people are buying. You gotta buy what other people are buying, obviously. But at the same time, you exert. I think we're actually you exert some, some sway influence. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, good luck. <laughs> if you want to have us on the panel, just tell them why there's why why everybody else on the panel is stupid. I get get a hold of us. <laughs> Uh, and that'll guarantee we never anymore. I may not be what we may not be welcome at Ale Ford anymore. <laughs> uh, but if you are wanting, it's going on Saturday. I can't remember the time. If you check out Tree Fort's website, you should be able to find that talk. Uh, and if you're curious to go down and listen, uh, go swing down, listen to that panel, and uh, let us know. Because I don't think because I have to work. You? No, I'm off, but. <laughs> 
but you're like, but I'm not getting anywhere near that. That, that I'm that. like, it, it's working in the industry. It's so odd because I'm like, man, do I really want to go spend my free time basically working? <laughs> Fair. Um, anyway, about the beer we're drinking, the Lagerado, it's nice. It is what a, it's what a lager should be. It's a, it's, it's a crispy boy. It's a it's a little malt forward, which I which I don't mind. Like a little bit touch of like honey sweetness, uh, mild bitterness. Uh, very it's more, almost more on like the scale of like a Hellas lager as opposed mm-hmm. to a Pilsner. But it's nice, crushable, refreshing. I dig it. Oh no, I'd almost kind of want to try this on like a side pour. Which we will get into later this episode. <laughs> I think I was reading on Twitter where I can't remember who it was, but that person said, uh, "My my new least favorite beer geek." He says, "Hey, do you have your pilsner on a side pour?" Oh, <laughs> I, I'm sure I will grow to hate that too. But anyway, as uh, but let's shall we get into it? We got a courtroom update. I love. I like the fact that we for for the first we could do the same story every week for the last three weeks. So it's been kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, also, Aaron said uh, it would have been way better last episode if you had the uh, like courtroom update news. Oh yeah, I so, forgot to actually add that. Yeah. Add that music so step in. your fucking game up. You know what? You fucking edit this piece of shit. You know what? All right, court new courtroom music now. So today is uh, the final day of pitch to the jury in Stone vs. Mil- Miller course? Molson course. Uh, <laughs> well done, Tyler. <laughs> they as, changed as, it recently. As, for- as our official Stone, uh, uh, keep the key in Keystone correspondent. Way to, way to identify one of the uh, litigants. <laughs> in their trademark lawsuit. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, they've been going at it for nearly three weeks, like Jeremy alluded at, that we've covered basically the whole time the lawsuit's been going. Um, to give you a little recap, uh, Keystone, owned by Molson Coors, uh, launched a full rebrand where it just proudly displayed stone and key, either in small letters or not at all on the can, uh, or any of the advertising uh, Stone then sued them, saying it was causing confusion, citing some Reddit articles, and blah blah blah. We covered that, yeah. But I mean, which I don't think, which I, which I don't think is not unfair because you know. But, but it was a little bit of a stretch in my mind. I get you have to be overly protective of trademark. Uh, but if you want to know a little more, pause the episode right now. Go check out last week's episode. We get in a little deeper. Yes. Um. So. Uh, Stone is alleging that its sales have declined nearly 20% off its peak. Um, so with this, uh, Molson Coors is trying to basically pitch, um, is this based off COVID-19 lockdowns, hard seltzer trend, you know, craft beers dying, um, because of pastry stouts, yep. <laughs> as, we, as, as we've already covered. So, uh, they made their final pitches today, Wednesday, or yesterday, sorry, uh, Wednesday, uh, March 23rd, had to check the date, (laughs) and millions are literally on the line for this, uh, with this, uh, Stone's trying, suing for $174 million in lost profit over the last couple years, as well as seeking $41 million on top of that, for corrective advertising, basically coming out to 200 and some change million dollars. Uh, the the thing that really got this uh, was they alleged that Stone, Keystone using Stone's brand recognition generated nearly $765 million in extra profit for Molson Coors. That's a bit of a stretch. Also, I and and, and by the way, I the it, 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 I feel it's also a bit of a stretch that it's solely responsible for Stone's uh, uh, decline in sales. Mm-hmm. Um. And that, in contrast, the lawyers for Molson Coors argued Stone failed to clear a key legal hurdle 
Hurdle needed to prove its case that the own the stone rebranding of Keystone created confusion. Um, and there, one of the articles I saw, I think the judge actually like made a point to bring up. He's like, well, if anything, wouldn't that have been giving Stone Brewing more advertising than what they were paying for? Uh, which in turn they said. Yes, it could have been giving us more advertising, but it's not the advertising you would want. And I think that's... I, it, no, that's not a good argument either. Like, your, your name is out there, yeah, on a different product. A product and, that we have no control over. And, what well, I mean, by the way, I think it takes... Well, I, I was about to say, I think it takes one taste to say, okay, this clearly isn't made by Stone, but given, given Stone's uh, quality lately, it might be, oh, wow, Stone's really gone downhill. <laughs> So <laughs> you can send the cease and desist, Greg Coke, to <laughs> it's all beer at gmail.com. <laughs> so why, why have I gone from trying to poking at Budweiser to poking at Greg Coke? Because Greg Coke <laughs> committed an abomination to God, creating something called the Delicious IPA, not advertising it as a gluten reduced fucking beer, and just putting it out there for me to be. I need a suit fucking stone because that was an offense to my palate and a fucking tarnishment of their trademark that was like five years ago are you not over no <laughs> um so here hopefully next week we'll have the the yes. jury will have deliberated we can have a full kind of rundown on what they come up with see who wins this court case um but this has also kind of put Stone in a little bit of hot water. Uh, and they're actually thinking about selling out. Uh, because apparently they have a $464 million investment investor payment coming up here in the next month or so. I'm shocked when they when their CEO was the same uh, woman who uh, uh, ran Lagunitas during the Heineken sale. Yep. I mean, that. I think. The every, fact that it's taken this long for potential sale to be floated. I mean, more than a few of us beer geeks were kind of looking around going, Are you fucking serious? Still, like, we're not selling. Like, then why did you get the person that's, you know, done Single handedly. I mean, not that I think it would be a terrible idea, and it may just be where they're headed, but by the same token. Also, so I couldn't get a lot of the details because every article I found talking about the potential sale was blocked by a paywall. Uh, and we're not big enough to... Give, uh, give us money so we can afford the brew bound 300 bucks a month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but with this, uh, it actually talked about... Or I saw that they were citing this lawsuit and loss of sales because of this lawsuit as part of the reason they were possibly needing to sell because they can't afford to make that payment. And I'm like, okay, so if you're claiming it cost 170 some, let's even call it $200 million dollars, in lost sales, where's the other $260 million that you need to pay your investors going to come from? Like, <laughs> I'm struggling to see where... I mean, does that does that mean if Stone loses the lawsuit or doesn't get the amount of money they're seeking, that could be the, the nail in, the, in uh, the... Honestly, from my perspective, and I'd love to have someone who's a little better with investor boards, uh, if anyone... I don't know. First of all, why are you listening to this podcast? But second of all, shoot us an email. Give us a little bit. But from my perspective, I would almost think that would incentivize the investors to kind of call for a removal of Coke and a sale of the company. If they can't pay it and they lose the lawsuit, now you just dumped a bunch of money on lawyers. What is Coke's um, involved, uh, position in the company? Do you know? Because he's not CEO. That's No. Do you... But I think he's he still has like a board seat. And I mean, is he? Well, is he? Does he? Does he have controlling interest himself? Do you know? Or I don't hundred percent know. Okay, that's and that's just and that's kind of hard hitting journalism you can expect for that. It's all beer. Hey, what exactly are we talking about? I have no fucking idea. This beer is good though. <laughs> if you really want to. I mean, I mean, how many of our listeners actually want to listen to Nitty Gritty? Here's how to remove just, someone from I, a board. I'm just, I'm just kind of curious to see if you knew, because I had, I just suddenly occurred to me like I had no bloody idea what he actually does. I feel he has a spot on the board still, um, and I wouldn't be shocked if he has controlling interest. 
because he's still overly involved, even though he's right. not involved in day to day. And I remember when we covered, he was stepping down from CEO. Yeah, yeah, that, that he was still going to maintain some sort, but I, I can't it, remember what. Yeah, I knew he wasn't CEO because you know, again, the Loganitas, Loganitas woman. Uh, <laughs> but so I'll be curious to see if by next week we have an update. So any predictions? I'm going to predict Stone or Stone wins it. And the fact that they've. I never thought Stone was going to make it to this point. I mean, I think Stone's going to win. I mean, I think they've proved... And this is being held in San Diego? I think... Well, I think... I I, I feel like Stone has done a good job proving, um, you know, copyright violation. I think what they, what they don't have on their side is proving uh, the, the loss of income that they are claiming. So mm-hmm. I feel like... I mean, if I had to guess, yes, they win, but they don't get anywhere near what they're hoping for. See it like I I could see it coming in. They'll be like, yes, hundred million dollar penalty or something. Move on. Yeah, uh, I think because or, they're or, it's, or not even that. Just like you know, you know, like you know, a couple million slap on the wrist for Molson Core is like, don't do that again. Okay, we won't. And Stone, <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> that doesn't even cover the that doesn't even cover the uh, the amount. Uh, I, I could see if it was a couple million, they'd be like, and then you have to cover Stone's like legal costs. That, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but the fact that it is in San Diego... Doesn't hurt. Uh, if it came out, they got the full asking price and won the case, I wouldn't be shocked either. Well, stay tuned for at It's All Beer for the thrilling conclusion of, the, uh, of, of this uh, court case. Boom. Jeremy, what do we got next? All right. Whacking the dead horse news now, and the dead horse specifically, uh, with the word Modern Times branded on it. Um, We've used up a a lot of oxygen already in this room talking about Modern Times and their fall from grace. Uh, But the interesting thing that they, unlike some of the breweries we've talked about uh, that collapsed like a a souffle in an earthquake, uh, Modern Times... You know, every every time uh, uh, a brewery gets in trouble, you know, they, they one of the things they come out like, hey, you know, we're gonna do better, we're gonna get a PPO, and we're gonna be transparent. You know, we, we're gonna, we, you know, we, we're, we're gonna be transparent so you can see what's going on. Um, and so far, nobody's, and that that's the end of that. There's a maybe the first indication that modern times is going to be at least somewhat, uh, uh, um, you know. Uh, they're actually going to do follow through with this. Um, this actually comes from the fullpint.com, or rather a video shared uh, by the fullpint, wherein Jennifer Briggs, uh, the new CEO of Modern Times, and uh, a lot of the management staff underneath her, um, took questions from, quote, the League of Party Goaters and Elegant People, which is basically their mug club or VIP club. And by the way, the yep. fact that they're... VIP club is called the League of Party Goers and Elegant People should have been a fucking clue as well. The, besides having once having a position, I forgot what the actual title was, but it was something like the director of party animals or some douchey thing like that. Um, the the takeaway is that the League of Party Goers and Elegant People sounds like what a group of skeezy pickup artists and date rapists call the call themselves. <laughs> Am I wrong? No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> send the send the cease and desist to it's all here at gmail.com. Just look, imagining a bunch of Ed Hardy. <laughs> look, uh, you got a few guys that you're worth a group of party goers and elegant people. Like, there is no way I'm ever accepting a drink from you. <laughs> and there's no way you're truly <laughs> elegant. No. Like yeah, I'm gonna see you throwing up into a urinal <laughs> on, in downtown Boise in like three hours. But and then try to fight a homeless dude. Like, <laughs> that's what I expect. But you know what? Modern Times is trying to move on. They've apologized. They're trying to change their culture with a whole new management. So let's see how it goes. We'll just we'll move past it. Anyway, they took questions from their VIP club, uh, hereafter called The League. Um, and it actually provides some interesting insight. Um, um, and having just shit all over their name, I gotta say that the league actually took their bosses to uh, task, asking some really tough questions about a what happened to modern times, um, why nobody seemed to see it coming, and what the people addressing the crowd intended to really do about it. 
Um, and they talked a lot about uh, some of the future releases from Modern Times uh, that were that some of which are exclusive to the league. Some of that are more, you know, just kind of, you know, you know. Of course, they are especially concerned about what they as a get. Yeah, they're the VIP club. They pay an extra subscription or what have you to get mm-hmm. access to the coolest of shit. Well, also, and I'm so, sure the ones that live in Portland or another area of a tap room that's getting closed are really upset because yeah, that, that uh, whether whether none of those people showed up or they don't have very many or what the situation was that never actually came up during the conversation. I was kind of w- waiting for somebody who says, "Hey, you know, for somebody asked a question, "Hey, I'm out of Portland, am I just screwed?" and but the answer is probably, "Yep." Yep. <laughs> or they're like, we'll finish you out, but you can't renew. They, but no, that, that, that actually never came up. Um, so I was a little bit surprised that, you know, either it's such a small problem or they had already, like, dealt with that situation. And it may, I'm sure they probably sent out an email blast to all of them. And it may very well be, hey, I know you're in Portland and you're part of the league, but um, here's, some, here, here's, some, some, here's some beer that should round out your thing. Sorry, we're moving, moving on up. Yep. Or out, or whatever you want to call it. Peace out, Cub Scouts. <laughs> uh, but they did talk a lot about uh, what releases would be coming out and what to expect. Um, uh, Briggs uh, judiciously skipped over um, questions about whether or not previous management had fucked up. Um, from my perspective, pretty sure they did. But she, uh, uh, she was not willing to play Monday morning quarterback. I am. They screwed the pooch. Um, but she did point out a few things Um that 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 are worth considering. Uh, first of all, that they weren't the first beer company to really push growth um, as being a huge priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, we keep coming back to the I idea. I mean, first company. Look at ninety percent of the tech companies. Right. They have zero fucking revenue, uh, but they're like, we're growing subscribers, and everyone's like, invest, motherfuckers. <laughs> Um, and we keep on coming back to the idea of this no man's land, you know, on the, on one side, you got like, like the small neighborhood brewery on the other side, you got the national brand. If you, and if you're going to get to the other side, you got to grab your gun and start running. Um, cause there's no in between and anymore. watch all your friends that you're running with get clipped. And by the way, there's or a, run by you cause you got clipped. And by the way, there's more, there's a better than average chance that you're going to end up ass over tea kettle cause a shell hit you. Yeah. So, you know. Or you tripped over a landmine. Not everybody makes it across the field. That's the that's the point. And 99% don't make it across the field. Um uh uh she pointed out that um that there was also a lot of factors they couldn't plan on. The pandemic for one. Um also the slowdown in craft beer generally. She sort of danced around the Brian Allen allegations, although um uh one of their one of the other managers actually did address that uh, uh, directly in another question. Um, the question that where that came up was, uh, has Modern Times' uh, political stance ever hurt the company? And the answer was, um, yeah, what poured out as a result of Allen's post was, uh, was a, 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 a huge blow against them, but, I mean, one that came among a, a series of blows, you know, a pandemic, craft beer, you know, it was just one more one more punch to the gut. Um, they mentioned that when they stay true to their values, it generally helps sales. Um, they get some pushback, but it's typically not from customers. And when they fail to live up those values by behaving like douches, yeah, it hurts. And that's, <laughs> to me, like, no, that's the system working. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Briggs was also asked a good question about what brewery she would she would like Modern Times to emulate uh, going forward. Um, like what business model you know like basically okay. like basically like you know you know what brewery do you you know uh, admire and what you know business model do you would you do you kind of see taking Modern Times is kind of was kind of the question. Okay. Um, she ruminated a little bit about uh, a collective of some sorts. She brought up Canarchy, although she stressed that she wasn't talking about a model like that specifically. Modern Times is, of course, up for sale is the wrong word, but I mean, if you brought a if you brought a good offer uh, offer to Modern Times, if right Kings now, and Convicts walked <laughs> up with their check, they could get it. I mean, the answer is no. Yeah, a good deal is not going to be turned down right now. 
Um, and so I think I, I think the idea of a collective craft beer alliance mm-hmm. is the wrong word, but that's the word we're going to use. Um, also, quick backtrack here. When, because you mentioned one of the questions was like, how did no one see this coming? Well, when you're inside of it, you just see growth and you're, you're focused. You're diverting every energy to try to stay afloat or grab that next rung. Also, I would, just as a cynic, turn it around to the fucking League of Party Growers <laughs> and ex- Extraordinary People. Um, how the fuck didn't you guys see this coming and tell us, slow down. Let's stop opening tap rooms. Uh, I don't think two things. Number one, I, you got a VIP uh, 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 group. That's not the, the, those are those are the worst people to listen to because they are they are your biggest like they are your echo chambers <laughs> that are like nothing can go wrong. Yeah, should we do this? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, well, should we make a marshmallow cherry that's going to cost us IP? more money than we can sell it for? Yeah, that yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah, they're <laughs> and give it away to you fucks because you pay a hundred dollars a year. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so you know, so that I mean, I think, and I think that's actually, you know, I don't, I don't fault um, uh, Briggs for 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 not wanting to do that because I think the, I think that okay. the the answer she gave was very was I think the oh. right answer, which was listen. Mistakes were made. Yep. Clearly mistakes were made. But you know she wanted to be like, well, none of you fucks saw it coming either. <laughs> but. Um, but anyway, uh, it, but uh, um, uh, she, so she kind of, so she kind of ruminated on that. But overall, she said that if there was a brewery she most wanted to be like and compete with, it was Firestone Walker. Okay. Which, yeah, that's a good, that's a good. Tar- Again, got through No Man's Land by getting that. Ac- purchased yeah but that's a good target to, sh- to shoot for mm-hmm. um she was also taken to task about the brewery closings and the financials and someone pointed out uh pointed to a good beer hunting article that stated that briggs had actually been a member of the board of directors of modern times since july of last year oh. and thus yeah and thus had privy to some of the financial information as far back as july Ooh. And and was basically asked, listen, your story was that you came you came in, saw the books in November, saw how fucked it was and made a drastic decision, but you knew all this shit back in July. Was this really the best way of handling it? And her response was complicated. Uh, she said that, yeah, she did have access to some of the financials, but she didn't have the complete picture. As she got more involved and more things became clear, it's like the worst leveling up perk of all time. Congratulations, you've unlocked even more ways a company you're getting involved with is financially fucked. Um, and by the time she really, you know, I think by the time she, like, got the got to sit down and see the entire books. So it's in July, she saw the 10,000 foot view. Yeah. And then when she, by the time, November, she got, was uh, she could, had the zoom in feature where she could go, well, I mean. This one, this one, this one, this one. There's, I think there's a different picture they give to the board. Right, because they are still they are still shareholders, right? Yes, they are not employees of the company. They are th- sometimes employees. Well, I mean, yeah, but, but I mean, but there's but there are different roles. The, I mean, sometimes the board should, there's crossover, yeah. but the board of directors is not necessarily you know do not necessarily work for the company. The CEO does, mm-hmm. and, and the board of directors' sole goal is to make more money. For the shareholders, and and yeah, and, and the point is, is that they, I mean, they get you know. They get reported to from the CEO, and by the way, and so it's, it kind of makes sense that they get a different. You know, they don't see the they don't As get access bleak of a picture. Well, they don't. Yeah, they don't see you know everything coming in. They get painted a rosy picture because they're shareholders. But the CEO looks at the book and go, "Mother fuck, you gotta be shitting me." Um. Um. So anyway, it, so she kind of like, yeah, I did have access to some of the financials in July, but not all of them. Um, and when asked um, how someone who has a history of improving HR and corporate culture could basically pull the rug out from so many people, um, she basically said, I, I know it sucks and it sucked hard. This is not the decision I wanted to make. This was not what I wanted to do. This was not the job I wanted to be involved in. But you got either acts a small group of people to try to save the rest of the people or the company goes belly up. 
And everyone's out of a job. But I was impressed that, I mean, number one, that, yeah, that the question was brought up and she uh, and, and she answered it earnestly to the best of her ability. I mean, it was like, yeah, I did know some of this, but I didn't know all of it. And by the time I got the full picture, we had a hard decision to make. And mm-hmm. it's not a decision that anybody wanted to make, but it's either that or the whole thing goes under. So uh, what's the future of modern times? Well, it's about as hazy as the beers they were making. And actually, that's among the changes right there. They want to focus on a wider range of special releases. And oh, not, thank God. And not just a billion iterations of a fucking hazy. Um, at one point, someone noticed that they were doing fewer flavored barrel-aged stouts and asked if that was by design and if, or if it was listening to trends. And, or, you know, well, if it, was done by, if it was done by design and listening to, you know, what the trends were. Or if it was done by financial necessity. They just couldn't get the adjuncts they wanted. Mm-hmm. The response was, it's the trends. So, I, you kind of go, kind of going back to uh, what we started with today. Dessert stouts are kind of fading away. People want straight-up barrel-aged stouts. That's what Modern Times is, is, uh, is saying. In fact, um, one of their managers said, listen, no, I can get all... The, he specifically said, Jennifer lets me buy all the vanilla I want. People want barrel, just straight barrel-aged stouts now, so... And I mean, craft beer's a cycle. Let let's be honest; it's going to have its ebbs and its flows. And if in two years you told me from now everyone was bourbon barrel aged out crazy here in the Treasure Valley, I'd be like, "Sure, yeah, I'd believe it." You told me in three years everyone wanted a black IPA again, I'd be like, "Okay, <laughs> I'd believe it." Um, overall, uh, someone asked what the one-year plan looked like, what the five-year plan looked like. And short answer, one year, try to get this company back on firm financial footing. Five-year, nobody really knows, but everybody's language was generally hopeful. So, I mean, I, I feel Modern Times still has a lot of good brand equity built up in it. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be able to push through this or any larger brewery or Kings and convicts, uh, or someone else. I mean, I think that, uh, we've talked about this. The newest trend is for, is a craft uh, craft brewery being a way for another company, mm-hmm. you know, sort of tangentially involved mm-hmm. with beverage or not at all, mm-hmm. just to get into the alcohol. Or market. another brewery purchases Modern Times as its extra life to get across the no man's land. Yeah, it's it's a good investment because right now they just need capital, and it's, if you can purchase them. You have the extra capital. You're adding a brand to your portfolio that has a lot of loyalty, a lot of brand equity still built up, and you can go through as well as acquiring a coffee company. <laughs> yeah, they did actually bring that up that the uh, that uh, that the 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 coffee roasters was going to continue. It's a it's perhaps a growing part of their business. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually, I, you know, after like listening to that whole spiel, I, I'm, which kudos also to them for having the balls to do that because you're going to get beat up. And I mean, the, I mean, the question, you know, the, you're, you know, they're asking their, their, their biggest fans. So it's a bit of a soft interview, but the, I mean, as I think I, 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 at least I, as I hope I pointed out, there were some tough questions Yeah, and I thought. It, it's, again, it kind I was going to say, because you're going to get some tough questions on that because you just potentially shut down maybe their favorite vacation spot. Um, uh, in, in case anybody is also worried, uh, they said they had, you know, in case the worst should happen, they have enough barrel-aged beer to make sure that uh, uh, the people who are currently uh, a member, uh, they'll at least be able to make their allotment throughout the year. But if you were worried. <laughs> uh, Tyler. We got well. If we crack open the next beer, uh, yep. Take uh, a little break. We talked about this on a just, previous episode. Just, just rubbing it in my face, won't you? <laughs> it's the Double Dales uh, from Oscar Blues. So it's an Imperial IPA I, version of their Dales Pale Ale. I wanted this in my shop, but a certain distributor sucks ass. You still couldn't <laughs> get it? No, I ordered it this week and it was out. Oh yeah. So the you place know. I bought this from had a good amount on I'm, the shelf. I'm sure they did. <laughs> so nine percent alcohol. I'm already getting some of the aromatics coming off this. Oh yeah, this. super piney, a little bit dank. It smells kind of like just a hopped up version of Dale's Pale Ale. But a little, there's some great fruity floral notes. But yeah, it's a, a more intense version of like just a straight up pale. 
Ooh, I like that a lot. It's, um, well, there's a lot going on. So you got like right off the top, you got that piney, you got that really piney grapefruity note, but it kind of like slips into like really nice lavender. Whoa. Yeah, I can get almost. I mean, the grapefruit and floral really come out in the floral mm -hmm. especially, but it's it has this like nice soft quality that blends with the grapefruit in a nice way. Finishes off bitter, but not You, you get a little bitterness. You get a slight hint of alcohol, but for 9%, it's pretty approachable. Uh, like I said, little booze at the back end as it's just drying yeah. out on the palate, but it's that's, very well done. That's quite nice. Surprised that they, that they got any. They didn't get enough, but, you know. <laughs> Baby steps. Oh, but anyway, all right, Tyler, what do you, uh, what's next? Well, we're going to get into Jeremy's favorite trend. Every time he's like... Uh, side pull tap. I have literally no opinion. I've literally, I literally heard about them this week. <laughs> really? I, I mean, I think I had heard about them, but I'd given them no thought. So, so there's one place in town that I know of that has it, and it's Diablo and Sons, right next to Bitter Creek. All their beers are set up on side poles. Okay. Uh, it helped with their aesthetic. Uh, so if you're like, what the fuck is a side pole, guys? Uh, thank your normal beer tap. And take that off, throw it out the window. Uh, it... Honestly, comes out, has a flow control on it, a nice round bulb, down to a long stem. Looks more like a wine faucet than anything. I, mean, I, think, we, I think, think, think the biggest takeaway... Medieval tavern would be like... Right, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway, without getting in too, too deep into the, uh, the, the mechanics... I mean, you know how you, you pull a tab, you can, you can grok that. Well, in this case, it's more of a... You, you, you open it up like a... So, the tap that you're used to seeing at bars goes closed or open. There's no, no in-between. Where the side pull... Is basically a ball valve, yeah, with a spigot on the end that you can go slightly open, a little more open, half open, a little more than half, or fully open, and it works more like a butterfly valve type situation, yeah, yeah. ball or, valve where or you a ball just, valve, yeah, um, which can give you different aspects of a beer and super popular in the Czech Republic, mm -hmm. uh. Most people actually get their side pole faucets from uh, one place over in Europe. Uh, it's Lukerg uh, faucets. They just added a online portal uh, and saw an immediate jump in American sales because of it. So this, this this seems like a hipster beer thing to do. Yes, and. The article on VinePair that I found uh, talked about how this is such a big aspect of Czech beer culture that they were surprised it took this long to start filtering into American craft beer scene. Yeah. Uh, first time I ever had a side pull drink, and it's typically pilsners that are put on side pulls. I would love to see someone do like an IPA or hazy IPA and just really just like short circuit the haze bros. Uh, <laughs> but uh was last summer up at a place in moscow and he had a czech pilsner on tap and i look at the menu and i was like regular slow or milk pour i was like hey what's up with this and he's like hey it's our side pole check faucet and he was telling me about it and i was like I'll go with a slow pour. And so there's varying degrees that you can pour on a faucet. Um, the milk is kind of one that you'll see most frequently. Um, and the article I have uh, links Pilsner Urkel, who's super popular with it. They Their bars actually inspired a lot of the breweries and tap rooms in the United States to start doing it uh, when they visited but you can kind of see some of the varying degrees in this picture. Jesus Christ. So the far right on this is the milk pour where it's just a smidge of beer. 
and the oh, rest yeah. is the thick, creamy, oh. silky head. I mean, I, to, 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 I think I'll I'll, I'll uh, post this picture up on our Instagram account. But what you have, to, but I mean, from from my immediate perspective, what you have is varying degrees of terrible beer pours. So you got like what you got a normal beer on the left, which has about about two, two fingers, inch, yeah, two fingers ahead, which is a decent one. Then you've got about then, three, four. Then you look at one, and you go, okay, well, that's a terrible pour. And then the last one, you go, did you give me a beer or is I mean, <laughs> but because in that. Uh, so how they pour it is they will stick the spout fully into the beer, uh, which most of the time you're not supposed to do, but with a check side pole, you're supposed to do it that way. Um, really just allows that foam to open up, really kind of aerates, let that beer breathe, uh, takes out some of that bitterness or can accentuate the bitterness. Uh, and it's that real thick, dense foam. It's got a micro aerator in there, kind of like a nitro handle mm -hmm. will, but in that side pull. Uh, and so they talk a little bit about, so the Haldinka is the standard for the Pilsner or Kel. Okay. Uh, it's poured with three fingers of foam on top of the golden lager. The thick head of dense wet foam gives a beer a perfect balance of sweetness and bitterness while sealing in freshness. Uh so, then you have the shint. Uh, Watch your mouth. <laughs> it has two parts beer, three parts foam, one part empty space at the top of the glass. It's not as filling as a large beer, but more refreshing than a small beer. Uh, then you have the mleko pour or the milk pour, which brings out the rich aromas of the sauce hops, the sweetness of the malt. It's a glass full of wet foam. With just a bit of beer at the bottom. Uh, <laughs> Which sounds fucking awful, but I'm, you know. <laughs> but, and the article actually talks about but you, how. But you charge, I mean, you charge different amounts for this. So you're, you're like. You're charging different amounts, the, but it's the, not that much you're saving going with like a milk pour. So a milk pour, but do you, I, I mean, do you get much actual beer in a milk pour? No, you're getting, but that foam is not like this head. Right. That foam is a real wet, it's like, liquidy foam. Is it more like the like the head on a stout or like a nitro stout then? Yes, where you're almost getting that foam mustache. It's you're getting liquid out of it, but it's more in the foam liquid form. Okay. Um, and you're getting all of those aromas. It it, and one of the places they talked about in here only does side pull. Only does loggers and pilsners. So people will come in there and be like, wait, you don't have IPAs? And they're like, nope, we do one thing. We do one thing really well. Um, here, try it. And then they talked about how education still is the biggest piece. And they're fighting with that and having to teach someone who doesn't know. Coming I, in and going, I'll take a slow pour of this. Being like, why is my beer taking forever? Why'd you give me half foam? Yeah. I mean, that, to be honest, that, I mean, again, I, I'm sort of aware of it, but I wasn't, I, I had no idea of the intricacies. And so if I went in there and they like milk pour, I'd be like, oh, sure, give me a milk pour. I'm curious. And they had me like, uh, did you put any beer in this glass? <laughs> but I've I, got, I've gotten, I have been served like that, although not from a side pour, just yes. from kind of a shitty. <laughs> uh, but what's really funny is, uh, that place in particular actually talked about how they keep basically like that beer on tap on a regular faucet. So if people are like getting upset, they're like, here, here. Or if they're curious, we'll be like, here, here's a sample of this on a slow pour. Here's an example. Which is your, your tip, traditional. Traditional faucet. And we'll hand it to them. And you can taste the flavor difference. Interesting. And they're super excited and they're like, oh, yes, now we get it. Uh, they did talk about how a lot of places... And you sold another beer. <laughs> yeah. Or they're doing little samples. So or so, I mean, yeah, I'm just... But uh, they talk about how some places will just do that because, yeah, if you open it straight open, it works like a regular faucet. It's going to pour. You can do that normal beer. Or people doing the pours improperly and then creating a bad experience for the customer where it's crappy foam that's going to dissipate and basically you're just getting and you get a half a glass of beer 
you get a half glass of beer with no foam, when that foam should stay. So that, so, so that foam, okay, that's the other part I guess I didn't understand. So yeah, that, the, There is a retention to that foam. It shouldn't just fade off like a normal beer as soon as it touches your lips. It's primarily liquid. It's very dense, wet. Uh, but... <laughs> Quit saying dense, wet. <laughs> Dude, there's... Honestly, I was like, we almost need to... I almost was like, Jeremy, you need to meet me here. We need to do, like, these just so, like, I can have someone else try to help explain. We apparently need to do that. So, um, but with this here, I mean, yeah, you're looking, your normal pour on that's going to be 75-25, beer to foam, uh, and then you start going from there, different variations, um, so with this, um, <laughs> the beer stand Logger House in Denver was one of the places they frequently mentioned in the article, um, and they typically have you set it up where the because this should be as much of a visual experience drinking as watching it poured, where it should be set up where the cus- customer facing where the customer can watch it, yeah, uh, instead of just a bartender blocking the view and going. Here's your beer. <laughs> and it's more of an art form in pouring than it. Think of it like a cocktail versus yeah, yeah, yeah. a mixed drink. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. Rock on. And then I'm like, I really want to try to get. Why did, why, why did you assume I would hate this? <laughs> I'm kind of intrigued. You're just uh, like because, Jerry's favorite thing. I'm like, I've never even heard of it. Why are we already going? Because you brought up the <laughs> meme or something you saw where it's like. Oh, the, the, so I. You, you're the thing on Twitter. I mean, yeah. Again, that was like the first time I like I and I kind of shrugged. I kind of laughed. I think I re, I think I retweeted it actually, um, but that was about as much consideration as I've ever given a side pour. Yep. <laughs> Which I remember seeing pints and panels on Twitter who does a bunch of educational drawings. She's from Connecticut or somewhere in the Northeast. Uh, like retweeted. Uh, there was a tap room up there that PBS came and was doing something, and they like handed like a slow pour and people were crucifying that guy on the internet like on the thing but you can see like the side pour in there and they're like he has his faucet in the foam he shouldn't be doing that blah 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 or that's a half full beer blah blah and everyone's and then the people that knew were like no, that's a side pull handle. Like, calm down there, bro. You should be doing that. You'll get there. You'll get there, and then you'll be crucifying people for like not doing a side pour. You'll be one of those bros. Yeah. Quit being such an ass. Just enjoy the beer. So, I would say to our listeners, if you see a side pull, branch out a little. It'll, and if you can, try to do. If a place offers a flight, I would recommend doing that of a normal pour. A slow pour and a milk pour of the same beer. Try it side by side. See kind of how it opens up the beer. And I'd love to see more people start actually pulling that on. Kind of experimenting. Throwing different styles on. I don't know how it would react with something outside of Pilsner. Where it's real soft flavors that it can bring out. I'd be curious to see what it could do to a pale ale. or It might be like one of those. That that, that brief, brief moment when we uh, put uh, IPAs on nitro for like a year there. We're like, Mm -hmm. oh, we'll put everything on. Let's put an IPA on nitro. Oh, it just decimates the hops. Yeah. Let's not do that no more. (laughs) Or what would it do to an amber ale? Right. A Schwartz beer. So. Jeremy, what do we got next? All right. Let's try not to fuck this up news now. Um, Untaps. First uh, beer festival in Charlotte, North Carolina, back in 2019. Uh, the reviews weren't great. Um, in fact, it was bit, a bit of an infamous train wreck on uh, Twitter. Um, for a start, they uh, way oversold it, meaning that the uh, admission lines were wrapped around the building. Um, a ill-timed thunderstorm um, that they hadn't accurately pre- adequately prepared for. It was in a, uh, a baseball stadium. Um, uh, you know, a thunderstorm hit that they really hadn't prepared for. That they, so they herded everybody in, you know, inside. Um, uh, people, you know, and people, people were kind of uh, uh, people either left and then found out later they couldn't come back, or they were 
just kind of herded into the into a building where they found out that they weren't serving any for for a little while. People couldn't. Uh, people actually were denied admission during that time. Um, um, notably, you know, like I said, the whole thing was a no refunds thing. So if you came at the wrong time or trying to get in, they said no, we're not. We're we're postponing it. Then you kind of shit out of luck. Um, what you mean a hype beer app? Doesn't know how to run a fucking festival. Um, they had fl- they had flimsy souvenir cups described as quote mouthwash cups that basically broke if you looked at them too hard. Um, and people who paid extra for the early VIP access were a little pissed off when a lot of the beer hadn't even arrived yet, and so they were they had paid more money for less choice. Um, oh. And it trended on Twitter, and it became known as quote the f- the fire festival of beer, which. Okay, calm down, you privileged twats. <laughs> First world problem. I, I get the frustration. I really do. I've been to a couple of beer fests that were disorganized and or poorly run. Tyler, I'm sure you've never had that experience. <laughs> More than I wish. And I wish, like, if you fuck up one beer festival, you're never allowed to try to run another one again. Because so many people don't... They're like, I've been to a beer festival. It's all fun and games. We can start one ourselves. And I'm like, you don't realize how much fucking logistics go through. And if I hear another fucking beer fest go, we want you to donate the beer or we'll even buy the beer, but you got to provide your own volunteer. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. If you're going to run a festival, provide your own fucking volunteer. Be an adult. Run it like a real person. I actually had Tyler Rance right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I figured you'd had you'd, you'd have something to say about <laughs> and no festival should go eight hours long it should only be max four hours i mean i get again i get it why you'd be you know from a from sheerly i've, I've never been there as a, a i've never had to work one i've only been there as a participant but you can kind of tell when shit's fucked up, even if, as you're walking around with your little pretzel necklace and your little tiny beer cup. You're like, oh, this is this is kind of a kind of a train wreck, isn't it? Or they're like, I only want six barrels, and then they sell it where basically they sell enough where everyone could have a, unlimited drinks on half barrels, and then you're out of beer in like an hour, and everyone's like, why are you out of my favorite beer? And you're like, because they only ordered a six barrel. <laughs> um. But Untapped was keen to try again. Uh, they had something planned for 2020, like most people did. And then, well, you know. Um, COVID 2020, baby! <laughs> the 2021 festival was canceled due to an issue with the venue. But they are back, baby. They've got a new venue, 300 beers provided by Untapped's top 100 breweries on their platform, including Free Range, Local Remedy, Lenny Boy, Lost World, Weathered Souls, and a bunch of others. Um cost 60 bucks for all you can all you can put in your face or 150 for the early access um and this time they're splitting it to two sessions so which i mean if you got like if you instead of like a a, so riddle me this one okay if you're splitting it into two sessions let's say i get the second session okay and i really want this one beer weathered souls is gonna do okay i'm just trying to think of a name that you said uh okay well yeah uh and Weathered Souls sends one keg of it. I, I I'm guessing it doesn't doesn't mention. I'm guessing that each that each session is going to have the same beers. Okay, that means two kegs, one for each session. One for okay. I my I'm, my whole thing would be. I'm guessing now. I mean, I could come to find out in after this festival runs that oh, so we only bought one keg for two sessions, and it turns out they drank all the beer in the first session. <laughs> that would be like where my, I'd be like, you're fucking kidding me, right? Like I flip a you, table. You, like the one thing, one of the, the best run beer festivals I ever deal with is Ale Fort. Right. Ale Fort. Buys the beer. Ale Fort provides all the volunteers. Ale Fort says, we'll give you a pass. We'll give you some free tokens. Come down. Have a good time. If you run into people, feel free to talk to them. Tell them about your beer. Send them to try it. We want you guys to have a good time, too. So you can try some of the beers you may not have had. Typically, if they're doing like special releases down there, they're like, 
this beer is getting tapped at this time on this day, this time on this day, or they're all tapped at once, and they say, it's on till it's gone. Mm-hmm. So if you know this beer is getting tapped at 3 o'clock on Saturday, make sure you get in at 2 on Saturday. So you're in the festival not trying to get in while that beer's tapped. You can make sure you get it. It's very smoothly run. From the supplier side, there's not much you have to do. And you can enjoy yourself. It also, from a participant side, is fun. It's reasonably priced. You go. You can use your tokens from last year if you have extra tokens. You can use your cup from last year. It really just allows you to run that. So, for anyone looking to run a <laughs> festival in the Treasure Valley, reach out to the Ale Fort people. See what a or talk to anyone who's run a successful beer event in your mind and well, see what they would recommend before just trying to start one and fucking ruining it. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that you know a rough first go was enough of a uh, a, uh, a I mean listen I'm I I'm totally in touch with the idea that you do something I you do something the first time you fuck it up and then and only then do you decide to learn how to do it. That's how I've learned how to do everything including raising a child. Um, which, you only dropped him on his head like four times. I mean, listen, I, I I'm gonna find the fifth. You caught him. Yeah, but you know, it's that's why. Unfortunately, we're still deciding. He wasn't what, gonna be a doctor anyway with your genes. So. No, absolutely not. So, um, the point is, is that he's yeah. now a ditch digging supervisor. <laughs> Couple more drops, and he's a digger. <laughs> listen, he can't be doing worse than me. <laughs> <laughs> Your, your, your daddy slings beer for a living, so anything you do is a step up. <laughs> Not wrong. But my point is, is that I'm in touch with the idea that, oh, I'm just going to do that. Oh, that's how you do it. Okay, well, I fucked that up. Next time I'll do better. Um, I'm in touch with that. I've, I've done that many times myself, and so I'm hoping that that's how Untapped uh, uh, conducts themselves. I am hoping, too, because there was... There, there's been where I've been to festivals multiple years in a row... And it's just as bad each year. And I'm like, how'd you keep doing it? <laughs> did you did you not learn or something like that? No. But I, I'm hoping it works good. I'm hoping... Not for untapped sake. I don't give a fuck about them. Uh, for the people attending this sake, I'd hate to see people excited about craft beer, trying new beer, not be able to get that access right. while paying for it. All right, Tyler, what do you got for us as our official uh, uh, Girl Scout news correspondent? Well, it's that time of year again where uh, the little crotch goblins are out slinging uh, their drugs outside of every major grocery store. Um, and they're also selling Girl Scout cookies, I hear, this time. Yep. <laughs> uh, I Make mean, sure, always get your cocaine from the, uh, from, Girl Scouts. From, from the, from the little kids outside they the They can't spell fentanyl, so they don't know what it is. <laughs> And besides, you know, they 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 get juvie. There's not an adult sentence. It's better for everyone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Send your complaints to Zalbier <laughs> at Gmail. I don't buy coke from uh, uh, children. That's wrong. So, uh, <laughs> as I was saying, uh, it's that time of year. Girl Scout cookies. Uh, if you haven't got yours, make sure you find your little dealer, and uh, they'll get you taken care of. How have you not? I mean, I <laughs> dude. Best part about having a wife that's a teacher, I'm like, guy in Girl Scouts in your class, she's like, I got three. I'm like, okay, let's split up my order. I need this, 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 and this, 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 and this, and this. And Jeremy, I'm going to need you to put out a poll question. Best Girl Scout cookie. Okay. Uh, what's yours favorite? I, so cookies, I, I, I could give a shit about cookies in general. They have the coconut ones, right? The Samoas? Yeah. I guess oh, I'll go with that one. Fuck you. Thin man all the way, <laughs> bitch. Uh, also, also, I'm the guy. I'm I'm the asshole that's running away from them. Like, buy cookies. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm like, me. sell me on it. I mean, clearly you are a man who enjoys cookies. So, <laughs> thin mints out of the freezer. Nothing better. Uh, Tyler will have a cookie. He will eat an entire sleeve of cookies. So, uh, was scrolling through beer Twitter last night. Saw Josh Noel put it put. A article out where he actually did some of the beer pairings that a couple of Chicago breweries did with Girl Scout cookies. He's like, I've always thought these were overhyped, whatever. He's like, 
he's actually turned out really good. And then he talked about how the Brewers Association actually has an article that suggests certain styles to pair with each. So I figured we'd do a quick rundown. Okay. Uh, go through that. So it's an article from craftbeer.com by Andy Sparhawk. Um, he talks about how thin mints pair with a dry stout. That makes sense. Makes sense. It kind of reminded Ch- me of the roasty Guinness yeah. mint that, that stout we, we had. Mm-hmm. Um, the beers they specifically bring up in this. Uh, Shooter McCombs uh, from Lost Rhino Brewing out of Ashburn, Virginia. It's my island from Pocock Brewing in Santa Clarita, California. And Shaft House Stout from Central City or Dostal Alley in Central C- City, Colorado. Uh, Caramel Delight slash Samoas. Uh, Caramel Delights, is that what they're called? Uh, Caramel Delights is a different cookie. Okay. But uh, they clumped it in with Samoas. Okay, fair enough. Uh, paired with a German-style Doppelbach. That coconutty with that do, real thick malty. I do have a Doppelbach on draft right now. Uh, and I know, the, and, the, and the girl, I can't walk into the fucking Albertsons without uh, uh, being accosted by the Girl Scouts, so. So, buy a box of Caramel Delight, or buy a box of Samoas, come home, post a picture, let everyone know what you think. Um, go get go get Samoas uh, and a Doppelbach and cry while eating them. Got it. Uh, so, with this, uh, the shortbread or trifles... Pair with an English Pale Ale or an ESP. I don't think I've ever had those. I haven't either. Uh, Does those exist? Do they make up a cookie? No. Okay. Those exist. Uh, and it's like one of the <laughs> secrets to dynamite beer pairings. It's simplicity. Trifles might not get all the thin mint glory. And ESB isn't commanding any lines for beer geeks. But the two work but, off their strengths. But bitter and sweet, as I, you know, at one beer dinner I went to where they paired the dessert with an IPA, um, which you kind of, at the first at first look, you're like, what the fuck? But the, the way they paired it, I don't remember, I don't remember what the, well, it was, it was the, it was the Deschutes IPA because it was the Deschutes running the, the beer dinner. But I forget what the dessert was, but the sweet and the IPA worked really well with each mm-hmm. other. Which kind of makes sense because a bitter a bitter IPA is there to cut uh, bitterness is there to cut through sweetness. Uh huh. And just extend that to what you're one, eating. One one of the so I did a beer pairing dinner uh, at a restaurant in 2020, and I was looking forward to the tangerine hazy IPA we had paired with the duck. Well, that was delicious. My favorite was our amber ale paired with a pork loin. I can see that. And. Just the simplicity in that. I was like, yeah, nope. Food pairing, I mean, if you get right down to it, food pairing is pretty easy. You, know, you kind of mm-hmm. get, you, you kind of go, what what flavors do I want to accept? I mean, it's either, it's either complement or contrast. Yep. Uh, so, peanut butter patties or tagalongs paired with a Belgian-style quad. I can see that. Uh, Savannah Smiles uh, paired with a Berliner Weiss. Uh, so... It's the game plan of sweet with sour. Okay. Um, the peanut butter sandwich or dosy dos, paired with an American brown ale. I just realized I don't know that there are Girl Scout cookies beyond the Samoa and the Thin Mint. Uh, the one that Josh Knoll actually talked about was his favorite pairing he had. They don't bring it up in this, but this was a new cookie they added last year. It's the Lemon Ups. So it's a lemon style, like breaded cookie okay uh my wife's favorite she slams them <laughs> with a wit beer and he Ooh. said the lemon with the like I mean, lemon, esters of the wit beer lemon classically added he, to a wit beer yeah he said was phenomenal it just really played into that and he's like this was the pairing that i wasn't expecting and, and yet, it's one of those like, well, duh. That, I mean, it's one of those like, at, at some point in time, you're like, it's one of those things you're like, well, that's kind of obvious when you think about it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's sort of brilliant because it's so obvious. Yeah. So, all right. Well, there you go. Well, we'd love any of our listeners go buy your favorite Girl Scout cookies, find what beers you can, and what you think would be pairing, 
send uh, references to us and maybe our summer break episode, we break out a Girl Scout cookie pairing. Oh. <laughs> uh. Sounds like fun. All right, Tyler, you got anything else for us today? Nope, that is it for me. Well, this has been It's All Beer. Um, if you uh, if you are Greg Koch and are trying to figure out how to shut this thing down, or if you've got uh, girls to... I'll shut it down when you shut down the delicious IPA, you fuck. Uh, you can get a hold of us at itsallbeer at gmail.com. We post all the stories, uh, proof that we're not just uh, blowing smoke out of our asses. Uh, it's all beer one on Twitter. Also, I uh, occasionally get in random Twitter fights. Uh, that can be fun. I can fight with you if you so if you so desire. Um, uh, you can find us at it's all beer one. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram, where I'm going to post a picture of a terribly poured uh, uh, pilsner uh, <laughs> at some point in time. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe a couple days from now. But you know what? It'll be there. Uh, By out. next week, it'll be there. Uh, it's all beer uh, on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, and uh, if, you are, if you're so inclined, uh, you can leave us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher on Facebook. Um, and, you know, tell us that we suck or we're awesome or some combination of the two. Or invite us to a, a panel where we can discuss the uh, end of beer and... <laughs> Girl Scout cookies. And, and Girl Scout... Basically, you can invite us to a panel where we're just going to sit there and pick out our Girl Scout cookies like, I, I don't care. Just dessert styles of Girl Scout cookies are the awesomeness. You should try this with the Thin Mint. <laughs> and that will guarantee we are never, ever invited to any of those. Um, and that'll be uh, uh, quite enough from us. Uh, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to have a beer. Have fun. You chose me for this podcast, so it wasn't. To be honest, it was. It, no, remember, you're the one who brought it up. I'm like, eh. I mean, and I, you're like, yeah, I'm doing one already. Might as well. Anyway, you chose to renew my contract. It was. You're, you'll remember that I had brought it up years ago, and you were like, oh, okay. And then at some point in time, I'm like, you should do a beer podcast. I'm like, I can still do that. But to be honest, I expected this thing to go for about a month and then you'd lost interest. In <laughs> Honestly, I was too. So the fact that... <laughs> Has this entire thing been a game of chicken? <laughs> is, it, is it just both of us like white knuckles? It, it's like the Catholic, like real religious wedding or marriage where they're like, we can't get divorced because it's against... Maybe she'll leave me so I'm not the one having to file the, for a divorce. She's like, I can't do it because it's against my religion. Maybe he'll leave me. <laughs> I say, have we just both been white-knuckling it this entire time? Just like, maybe maybe he'll cancel. Maybe he'll just give up. Maybe he'll... <laughs> well, now that we know this about each other... Well, this has been It's All Beer. Fuck y'all. We're done. <laughs> We're at least making that 100th episode so I can try that fucking beer. No. Get the fuck out. I'm drinking it myself. Um, okay. We sound good. <laughs>